0: At the outset, at the very beginning of the chapter, it shows the yeah the beginning. That's another word for the beginning. Yes. Uh, shh. uh See what was I saying? Chapter
1: two.
0: Yeah, there you go. Chapter two. Chapter two. The beginning of the chapter. Shows the fulfillment of the promise. You know, the disciples were told to go to Jerusalem and wait to be imbued or indued with power from on high. And uh, so they, we're going to see that. It's also the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies where we're going to see that too. Where, uh, for instance, Peter mentions Joel, where they uh, you know, were looking forward to the coming of the Spirit, where it would be poured out on all flesh, and all that would go on. And so it is, uh, it's the fulfillment of all those things. And the second part of Acts chapter 2 is Peter's sermon. This is going to be the first Christian sermon in the New Testament. Peter stands up and what he does is explain what they're seeing. Okay, so we're going to talk about all the manifestations, all the all the stuff, but really we need to read like the first at least the first 20 verses at one time. We're not going to do that. I'm just going to go piece by piece. But he explains the, the things that we see with the, the, you know, the rushing mighty wind and the tongues of fire and the, the, the speaking in other languages and all those kind of things. All that is explained in Peter's sermon. So we can't divorce the two and just start saying, well, I think it looked like this, well, I think it was this, well, I think it was that. Peter explains it to us, so we have to use his explanation. We're probably not going to get all the way through Peter's sermon because it's a long one. And so next week we'll finish that. But uh, So what we're going to see is the fulfillment of the promise. We're going to see, you know, all the way from the beginning, uh, John the Baptist had told them, you know, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me. He's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Uh, We're going to see the fulfillment of all that. The important thing for you to realize here is that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the the descending of the Holy Spirit onto the disciples, and it's kind of an inauguration of a new era of salvation history. It's It's uh, the 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 moving away of the old covenant, the old era, and the coming in of the new era of salvation uh, through the name of Christ. Uh, He's going to use that in Peter's sermon. You know that now, whoever calls upon His name, the Lord's name will be saved. Um, The coming of the Spirit is not a separate entity, a separate thing from the ministry, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay. The coming of the Spirit is the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. Remember when we started the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, we said, Really, it, it should be called the Acts of Jesus, which he did by his Holy Spirit through the apostles. You know, but nobody's going to name it that, so it's just Acts. So what we're seeing is, we're seeing, and Peter's going to link the coming of the Spirit and the, all the events that go with it to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. There are 19, listen to me, when we think of the book of Acts, we think of a book of miracles and, and, and all these you know, signs and wonders. And it is, they're, they're all through that. But there are 19 sermons in Acts that we're going to look at. Peter, Stephen, Paul, they all, there was never some big, huge, miraculous event that was not followed by a sermon. And the sermon, all of them in Acts, all the sermons that are preached in Acts have one subject. Anybody know what it is? That's right. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? So the book of Acts is not some kind of moving on from the ministry of Christ or moving on. It is about Jesus. It's about what the life, the death, the resurrection does in the lives of the, the brand new church. Is there's any questions, you understand? A lot of times we'll have people that say, well, you know, I, I came to know Jesus... You know, and then later on, I got this second deal with the Holy Spirit. Good. Not, not according to the Bible. Okay, salvation is accompanied by the Holy Spirit always. Okay, everybody understand that? All right. So, what we're going to see first is the manifestation of God and the effects of God as it uh, as it happens. All right. So, when we left the Book of Acts in chapter one, what what had just happened? They had replaced Judas, right? Mm-hmm. And they were ready. They were ready to be uh, the people of God. They were ready to be the the perfected Israel, the new Israel that would would. Uh, stand forth and, and be the fulfillment of all the promises. Remember, at this time they were all Jewish. All all the people were Jewish that were in the church. Uh, we're going to see the birth of the church here, but there were no Gentiles yet. So they were the new Israel. They were the reformation, the 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 culmination of what Israel was always supposed to be. And so, here they're going to receive the promise. It says, verse 1 in chapter 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay. Okay. I'm sure you all want to talk about the deal. Mm-hmm. Two things you need to make sure you understand it was not a r- rushing mighty wind that came into the house. what was it it's the Holy Spirit Yes, it was the Holy Spirit, but it was a it was the sound that sounded like a rushing mighty wind and it was not fire that descended out of heaven on top of their head. it was what oh. Huh? No, it wasn't knowledge. It was, it was cloven tongues is the best way he can explain it. As of fire, it looked like fire. It was, you know, who? I We're we're all just speculating. It, you know, it, it flickering light. I mean, it looked like fire. Okay. So the thing that you need to know: why would it be? Why would it be this way? Why? Why was? Why did this event take place? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak. It says other tongues. We're going to see that it's actually other languages. Same difference because the people understood what they were saying in their own language. What does that that symbolize to you? You Unity. (laughs) The burning bush. Now that's interesting. I mean, why do you say that? Because God spoke from a burning bush. In fact, when you. Look back through the Old Testament. All the manifestations of God, when I say manifestations, like when He appeared at the burning bush, when He appeared in the pillar of fire, when He appeared at, at Mount Sinai to give the law, it is always accompanied with fire and storm. It's always accompanied with fire and wind and storms. And, and it says there were lightnings and all kinds of things going on at Mount Sinai when He gave the law. Do what? it. Okay, you're not allowed to speak the rest of the class. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so what we're seeing is, what we're seeing is not just neat little signs. Ooh, look at God go. What we're seeing is we're seeing the presence of God descend down upon these people. We're seeing the actual presence of God coming down just like he came down on Mount Sinai. Just like he uh, showed himself as a pillar of fire in the desert when he was leading the people. Just as he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, you know, Just as he appeared so many other times and showed himself to so many other people in the Old Testament. He is manifesting his presence and his, his, uh, his self... Uh, in, the, in to these disciples, and in the presence of these disciples, and he imbues them with this power that Jesus said would come from on high, and they are able to speak in languages that they had never learned. And we're gonna see. Let's go ahead and read, and I'll tell you how we know that. And then we'll we'll go back to we'll go back to talking about this. What
1: I noticed about this is like you know from the burning bush, and all, this was the first time that you know God had came and dwelt. Within And nobody was afraid. You know, most of the time, you know, it's like, don't be afraid, don't fear. You know, but this right, it was, the first time it seemed that it was actually welcomed, it was waiting on, you
0: know, they were waiting on. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's true. And they were, they were they were anticipating it. Yeah, and they were praying, we saw last week, they were praying um, for it and they were filled with it, it wasn't God just it wasn't God just showing up and saying, "Hey, I'm God like you did at the Burner bush." Right. It was God we're coming in into, him. coming inside them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and God himself indwelled them and it it, it was, this was the spirit of all in the, in Old Testament prophets, they would always say when the Messiah comes, when when God's remaking all things, when he's fulfilling his promise, there would be a spirit of prophecy that would come and would be poured out upon upon all people. Uh, and that's mentioned quite a few times in the Old Testament. And Peter's going to mention it here in Acts chapter 2 as he refers to Joel. But this was the fulfillment of those things. This was the fulfillment of the spirit of prophecy that was foretold in the Old Testament being poured out and the, the, the gift of languages was given so they could tell the mighty works of God in all the languages of the people that were there in Jerusalem. Let me read that part and then we'll talk about that. Now. It says, uh, and there were dwelling, verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Notice they were all Jewish. They were devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now these were... It's called diaspora Jews. They were Jews that were dispersed among the nations. Remember back when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, Assyrians, the they dispersed the. They came and conquered the people. They scattered the Jews. They sent them to all parts of the empire, and they repopulated Israel and Judah with their own people. And you know they were allowed to come back. In, uh, in uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, and Haggai talked about it. They were allowed to come back to the land, but they did not all come back. A lot of them stayed where they were. And so here what it's talking about is Jewish people. There were Jewish populations in all of the countries around the Roman Empire. And on the on the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost, they would all people from all over the world, all over the Roman world, would come into Jerusalem. There's some estimates of Jewish people coming, pilgrims coming uh, for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, there, Some estimates estimate that there was like even a million at a time, a million pilgrims from different countries coming to celebrate the Feast of Passover, the Passover and the, the Feast of Pentecost, which was um, 50 days later. Okay, so all these Jewish people from all these different countries were coming in. To, uh, celebrate the Passover. It says Now when this noise was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, Behold, are not these all which speak Galileans? Now that verse right there alone shows us that we can put to bed this idea that it was just some kind of angel language thing. All these people, and it's going to list the countries they're from here in a minute. All these people heard the heard what they were saying in their own language. God had what? I thought later on they did as in his of angels. Later on when? Okay, come true. back when you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't my, in my in head, Corinthians. Like in it. Corinthians. This, you don't I like, like <laughs> this? I don't like this. Yes, in Corinthians, some people... If I
1: speak with the tongues of angels.
0: Right. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Wait, I won't do that again. I'll tell you why. There are only five times in the Bible where the gift of tongues is mentioned. Okay? Now, we can get into a big discussion about it if you'd like. It's Acts chapter 2, which we know is known languages. Acts chapter 10, which is at Cornelius' house, and I can make a darn good case that it's known is there. Acts chapter 19 is when the disciples of John received the Holy Spirit, which they didn't know anything about. Uh, and then you have Paul uh, uh, chastising the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about the misuse of the gift of tongues. Okay? That's the only time that it's mentioned. In the Bible. Now that is first Corinthians thirteen, where he talks about the supremacy of love over gifts. And so he says, the point he's saying is if I speak in the the language of angels or in the tongues of men, and I have not love, then I'm nothing. Make sense?
1: Yeah. But I don't have a but. Uh, okay. <laughs> now
0: you're not allowed to speak the rest of the class. Yes. And my question circles back to Pentecost, the feast. You said it was a feast of Pentecost. Yeah. Can you give us a quick what was Pentecost? Pentecost was like a harvest festival. It, uh, it was uh, celebrating the, you know, it was praising God for the harvest and all that kind of thing. But it had come to, at this time, it had come to be a a celebration of God's giving of the law for Moses on Sinai because it was, I, I don't know if it's exactly true, but it had come to be like Passover was the day that they left Egypt and then Pentecost was supposed to be the time where they actually arrived at Sinai and was given the law. See, it was actually... It was actually a harvest festival where they celebrated the harvest and the, you know thank God and you know gave Him worship and praise. And all. It's a week long, week long festival. That makes sense. That a lot of people that a lot of people that um, talk about the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost was uh, they were. Um, Kind of uh, setting it alongside of God's giving the law at Sinai. Does that make sense? Like so, the the wind and the fire and, the, and then all those kind of things, the 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 giving of uh, the the mighty works of God through the the tongues of all the people that were around was uh, uh, a throwback, reminiscent of Moses giving the law as God's presence descended on Mount Sinai with smoke and fire and and all those kind of things. Okay. Okay. okay,
1: Jason, I got one quick question. In verse 6, it says, Now this noise was abroad, the multitude came together. All these men were in one room, or, you know, the, the, the followers were in one room. And it said, When the noise was abroad, does that mean that it was so loud that it drew people to that building and they could hear it outside?
0: Well, the idea is that they moved out into the street. Okay. They moved out. It doesn't actually say that. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, the scene before, changes. So when Peter stands up, t- he's t- talking t- to t- thousands because thousands got saved. <laughs> <laughs> the, the The idea is that they moved down to the street. The question, another question which I don't have an answer to, is what sound did they hear? Did they hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind, or did they hear the sound of the speaking of all these guys speaking? Because you
1: get all these people talking all at one time. I mean that. That in itself.
0: And there is some question as to whether they were all talking at one time. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's 120 of them, 120 disciples in the room. Mm -hmm. But each person, and it's going to list the countries that all these people are from, each person heard in their own language. So it's almost like they could have been taking turns Mm -hmm. talking rather than just some big mess, chaos. You know. And I don't have an answer for that either. I'm saying it, it, it might be. You know, it, it could be that they were all speaking at one time and each one just heard, you know, their own language. But I don't know if y'all have ever been if all y'all start talking at one time in here, I'm not even gonna be able to understand the English all y'all speaking. You know what I mean? So there is some question as to wh- how whether they were taking turns speaking, each one some in you know, Parthenon and some in Greek and some in whatever all these languages. Um, well, so sisters, there's they some they were questions.
1: Confounded, you know that right there kind of. They were, com- yeah. They were confounded, you know. So they were, you know, attention was made.
0: Right, so. right. And the thing is, they understood the content of what was being said, mm-hmm. and they understood the language. I mean, they understood the words that are coming out of their mouth, and they also understood. understood what was I saying? It wasn't confusion. Yeah, it wasn't confusion. It, they understood what was being said, and they could discern someone that was speaking. Does that make sense? Okay, and so it says, uh, this thing pours out into the street. Each one hears in their own language. The crowd is still confused. Uh, I don't think they're conf- they understand the words, but they're confused because they don't, re- they don't understand how, what's going on. It says are these, these are Galileans now remember Galilee Galilee was like this backwater whatever country you know it's like it's it like a, an, an erudite <laughs> New Yorker educated Harvard crowd listening to some dude from Louisiana talk about you know quantum theory or something they're like uh, Where is this guy from? You know, can you imagine talking the words, talking the words of God with some, you know, Tennessee accent? There's guys on my friends of mine on on live in Oregon, and they make fun of my accent, like I have some kind of crazy Southern accent. And I'm like, I don't think that I do. And they, boy, they just tear tear me up like I'm some kind of moron with my dumb accent.
1: So (laughs) that's
0: what they were doing. Was like, these are Galileans. What are they doing? What do they do? Do they know how to speak all these different languages? They're going to show, the, show us the languages. How, how, that's what it says. Verse 7. And they're all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not these all which speak Galileans? And now hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now, it lists all these countries. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and in parts of Libya, Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. What were the people, what were the the disciples speaking about? Yes.
1: What they witnessed.
0: Right, the wonderful works of God. That's what it says in the verse. And you know, if, if you look at the sermons that we're going to see all through the Book of Acts, from Stephen, Peter, Paul, all, all the different <laughs> disciples, they all run through. They all run through the history of Israel. And how God worked through Israel, made promises to Israel, made promises to His people, miraculously saved His people. And they all work their way all the way up to Jesus and present Jesus as the fulfillment of all these promises, the fulfillment of all of these things. And so that's what I think, that's what they were speaking of. They were doing the same thing Stephen's going to do in Acts chapter 7. They started with you know, uh, the, the wonderful works of, of God that all these guys knew about from the Old Testament, and they worked their way up to the fulfillment of what who Jesus is and what He did. Okay? Why do you think He mentions the countries they're from? Anybody but, know?
1: well, because Jesus told the disciples to go spread His Word to the uttermost parts of the earth, and... This right here was showing that in that moment, God was doing what He told them to do. He was putting it within them, and it just spread like wildfire.
0: That's true. That's true. A lot of these people. It proves that
1: all the people don't speak their own language.
0: Right. That's true. Now, all the people. At this time, Koine Greek was kind of like a merchant language. I mean, if you was going to do business anywhere in the known world, you was going to have to speak Greek. Uh, Because that's what they did. So they could have, he could have, he could have stood up and just spoke, spoken in Greek and, uh, or or even they're Jewish. They probably knew Aramaic too. He could have done that. if you look, I don't have time right now, but if you look at the countries that's listed, a lot of people have tried to map the countries out and see, you know, if there was some kind of pattern or whatever. But what I, what I, what I, think, what I think I can make a pretty good case for is that these are the countries. Uh, it's not an ex- exhaustive list, of course, but these are the countries that the Jewish people were sent into exile in all those many years ago. Now, some had returned and, and some had not But God had always made promises in the Old Testament uh, throughout the prophets that, you know, I'm going to bring my people back to the land and I'm going to bring them back to me. And they're, you know, I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people and I'm going to bring them and they're going to. And I think that this is the fulfillment of those promises. All these Jewish men and women and families were dispersed out through the, the known world, out in all these foreign lands, out in all these foreign Roman provinces. And for for one time this during Pentecost they all came back to Jerusalem and here God is bringing them back not only to Jerusalem but bringing him them back to himself through the ministry and work of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So this is when you read uh, uh, for instance, I just did a thing on Zechariah 8, and it talks about the promises God says that I will, I will bring my people back to the land, and I will be their God, I will dwell among them, I will pour my spirit out on them, I will, all of these things, and I think that this is the fulfillment of it. All these different countries where Jewish men and women came back from all of these countries, and hear God spoke to them in their own language through by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see here in a moment that uh, 3,000 of them got saved right there at, the, at, at Peter's sermon, and then the next day 5,000 got saved. And so right there on the first two or three days of the birth of the church, there's 8,000 Jewish people that are in relationship with God again, back in the land, back in the city of Jerusalem, back in the, the fellowship of God. Does that make sense? Do you see how what, what we're talking about here is the fulfillment of the promise? And that's what Peter's sermon is going to be all about. Peter's going to say, This is the fulfillment of what Joel said would happen. This is the fulfillment of the prophets. Does that make sense? <laughs> This is the return. This is the return of all God's people back to Jerusalem, back to the land, back to relationship with him. And it's also, there's other people that have made a good case, and I think it's a valid case, that this is a reversal of the curse that happened at Babel. You know what happened in the Tower of Babel? What was the story? The Tower of Babel. Somebody tell me. Briefly. Nobody knows the Tower of Babel? Yeah, Reservoir. Genesis 11. Everybody, their one command was to go forth and multiply, spread spread across the earth, and that's the one thing they didn't do. They said we're not going to go, we're not going to spread out. We're going to stay right here. We're going to build a tower up to heaven. Yeah. And God said, you know, because you disobeyed, I'm going to come down. I'm going to confuse all your languages and spread y'all out. <coughs> and here we see them all returning from all the different countries all around the, the world back to Jerusalem. And the, the the mighty works of God are being proclaimed in in you know the the language they can understand. Make sense? Yes. Questions? No. Okay. That. Okay. It didn't matter. All right. So there we go. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah. I wrote it down. Isaiah 11, 12. Let me read that to you. Isaiah 11, 12. Is Isaiah still in the Bible?
1: All
0: right. This is a promise in Isaiah 11:11. 11, 11. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people... Which shall be left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros to Cush, and from Elam to Shinar, which is Mesopotamia, and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. That is... One of the promises. Now there's lots of promises like that in different prophets. But this is the fulfillment of that promise. He brought, not only did he bring the people back to the land from all the nations that they were dispersed in. But he brought them back into relationship with him through Jesus Christ and through the work of the Spirit in their hearts. Okay? Makes sense? They heard the mighty works of God, and then this is the response they had. Some of them wanted to know more. Some of them just mocked and rejected. Uh, Verse 12 says, "Um, And they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meanest this? They they wanted to understand what was going on. Then it says, But others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. Now, a, a lot of people say new wine is. There's two words for wine in the Bible. Um, Oinos means just wine, and glucose, which is new wine or sweet wine. And so they, uh, the idea of them being drunk, it does not mean that they were all falling down all over themselves and slobbering on the floor and making weird sounds like some people do in church today and saying that they're drunk on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The idea the idea was that they were hearing they were hearing, okay, I'm from Parthia, right? I speak Parthian, okay? And I hear Mr. Benny over here, he's telling me the mighty works of God in Parthia. Okay, I understand what he's saying. But over here, somebody's speaking Persian. Over here, somebody's speaking something else. I I don't know what's going on over here. It's all kind of stuff going on over here. The idea was that they understood the works of God in their own language, but there were other languages being spoken, and so they were mocking and rejecting what they were hearing in their own language. The, The idea is not that they were, you know, acting stupid, acting foolish, falling down, you know, like people do today, you know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is there any questions? Uh-huh. Okay, because don't be if you fall down around here I'm gonna call the ambulance. All right? <laughs> all right. So I I going
1: to say so just as today some accepted you shall deny.
0: Exactly. And and it'll you'll see that all through Acts. I mean Peter's sermons, Paul's sermons, Stephen's a multitude is gonna get saved. And a multitude is going to say it's foolishness. I don't even want to hear it. I mean, it's it's exactly the same as today. Okay, and then the rest of what we're going to look at, and we won't have time to finish it, but we're just going to get started, is this stuff happened, and it's a lot of confusion going on. Not confusion as, you know, just a bunch of craziness going on, but confusion as, you know, what is this? What's happening here? What what is this event that we're seeing? And so Peter is going to stand up, and he's going to explain it to them. He's going to explain exactly what's going on. He's going to explain it from their own witness. And he's going to explain it from the scripture. It says, uh, verse 14, this is the first Christian sermon by Peter. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken to my words. These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock. This is nine in the morning. You know, I ain't been drinking. We ain't even had breakfast yet. Uh, I love that he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, y'all listen up. He says, this is what he's going to say. He's going to say, God has fulfilled Joel's prophecy. Uh, Verse 16. Where am I at? 16. He says, this is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he's going to quote an extensive part of Joel's prophecy. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord. This is Joel, this is a quotation from the Old Testament. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out on those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, is a, that entire section is a quote from Joel from the Old Testament. Okay, so he's saying this is that. What you're seeing right here is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied. Uh, there is a lot of people that say, well, it's not exactly that. But, you know, you just can't get around what Peter said. He said, this is that. This is the fulfillment of what Joel spoke. Now, we're going to talk about the different things that Joel said. Uh, but the context of Joel is Joel chapter 2 was Joel is calling them to repent. In Joel, if you go back and read it, he's calling the people of Israel to repent after this big locust uh, swarm has devastated the land, and then he tells them there's going to be something much worse coming on the day of the Lord. And he starts talking about the day of the Lord, and that's where all this comes into play. And so Peter is saying, "This is what Joel prophesied about the day of the Lord when it comes. When I'm going to show miracles in the earth and in heaven, and uh, there's going to be all this all this stuff going on, and uh, blood and fire and smoke and and, and all these things." Uh, the one of the things that we need to see is verse seventeen says it shall come about it shall come about it shall come to pass in the last days. Peter was saying that the last days have arrived. Okay? Now, in the New Testament, over and over again, or in the Old Testament, the prophets always talked about the last days. In the last days, God's going to do this. The last days, God's going to do that. The last days, from a New Testament perspective, is the time between the ascension of Christ and His second coming. We're living in the last days right now. Doesn't mean like the world's gonna end tomorrow, although it's very possible it could. Uh, but if it goes on for another thousand years, we are still in the last era of salvation history. There's not gonna come a new Messiah, a new way of salvation, a new law, a new scripture, a new word from God that has never been heard before. That's it. God has spoken everything He has to say as far as Scripture. You know, I'm talking about what is written, the, the Christ that He has sent. The only thing left for us is the, the culmination of history. The culmination of history. And so what He's saying is we're living, in the last, we're living in the last days. I can prove that to you. I didn't write them down, but all through, all through the Scripture. I wish I wrote them down. Where it says... uh I'll show you some other time. All through the New Testament, Paul, Peter, James, they say in these last days, John says in 1 John, he says, little children, we're living in the last days. You know, All through the New Testament it says that. So Peter is pointing to the fact that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen again, and the Holy Spirit has come and indwelled the believers, and now the church is being built. These are the last days. From the time that the Holy Spirit came, to the time when whether it be this afternoon or whether it be a thousand years from now that Jesus returns in power and glory this, these are the last days. And he says in these last days all these things I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on, uh, on all flesh. See I wrote a note that says read the New Testament verses of the last days but I didn't write down the verses. That was a joke. Okay. He said, "I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh." In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people, but it was usually for just certain times and certain tasks. Holy Spirit came upon Moses. Holy Spirit came upon the people who were to build the tabernacle to give them, you know, the spiritual insight to do these things. Holy Spirit came on uh, people and they prophesied. Came on Saul. Came on Samuel and they prophesied. But now he says, in these last days, now I'm gonna pour it out on everybody. Everybody who calls upon the name of Christ, everybody who trusts in Him, everybody who's a believer, you're going to have the Spirit of God in you. You're going to have the Spirit of God indwelling you. You're going to be... In in the Old Testament, you were a prophet when the Spirit of God came upon you and you prophesied. Prophecy is not just telling the future. Okay? Nine times out of ten, the Old Testament prophets were not telling the future. They were saying, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is what God says. They were speaking the words of God. And so as believers in the, the new covenant with the spirit indwelling you, you have the spirit of prophecy in the sense that you have the words of God and can speak the words of God. He says, I'll write my laws on your heart. Now, we're not talking about saying, Hey, God told me your redheaded cousin is coming to see you in three weeks. And you're going, you know. We're not talking about nothing like that. We're talking about when, when for example... When you are at work and you are witnessing or at school or whatever, you're witnessing and you quote a Bible verse or the Spirit leads you to speak in a certain way that that aligns with the truth of God's Word and the truth of what this Bible says, you are forth telling. You are prophesying. You're preaching. You're witnessing. Does that make sense? We all have you... We don't have to go through another person anymore to hear from God or to speak for God. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. You and I all are priests, so to speak, and prophets. What? Okay. Does that make sense? So when he says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, he says, it's not just going to be the certain ones who are leading, the certain ones who are preaching and ministering. It's not going to be those guys. It's going to be everyone. It's going to be everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. in Numbers 11, I'm not, I don't have time to read it now, but uh, Moses, there's a, there's a thing where, where uh, God pours His Spirit out on Moses and these 70 elders. So they would prophesy and be able to lead the people. And there's these two elders that are not in the assembly with the other 70. They're in the camp. And they start prophesying as well. And so Joshua and Aaron run back to Moses and they say, Moses... These guys over here are prophesying, and they weren't with us. You need to tell them shut up. And Moses said, "Man, I wish that all God's people, all God's people, would prophesy." And so this is what we see fulfilled here in 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 Acts chapter 2 chapter two.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, okay. Is there any questions?
1: What about
0: the dreams. The dreams. Yeah, I know that's what we're going to talk about. I, I expected that. Um, <laughs> Old Testament prophecy. You know, huh. I knew, yeah, I'm a prophet. I knew that was gonna happen. Okay, so first, let me do the miracles. There's two ways to look at it. Both are equally valid, but I'll tell you which one I think is right, um, and it is right. Uh, the miracles. The uh, it's. Let's see. I shall so, show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned darkness and the moon blood before the great notable day of the Lord come. Okay, Peter said that that was fulfilled, but, you know, didn't really see it at the time. So what is he talking about there? There's two ways to look at it. The first is, it's called, they call it the already and the not yet. Okay, he quotes the whole prophecy. We're living in the already of God's kingdom, but there's still an, uh, a, a, a not yet that hasn't come. Does that make sense? What, what it means is the kingdom is here, the kingdom has been inaugurated, but there's coming a day in the future we'll, where it'll be perfected. It'll be consummated on Jesus' return, and that's the signs that he's pointing to. Perfectly valid interpretation. I don't. That's not what I think, but I'm not doing no arguing with nobody. A lot of smarter people than me believe that. I do believe that there is an already and a not yet. We're living between, we're living where the kingdom is moving forward, the gospel is moving forward, and so one day we're going to come where it's perfected and, you know, new heaven, new earth, and everything will be consummated. I think that these are the miracles and signs that we're seeing from the resurrection I mean, from the crucifixion all the way up to Pentecost. Okay, what happened at the crucifixion? The sun went dark. Earthquake. Okay, what happened at the at the the? But it uh, says
1: the moon. But it says the moon and the blood.
0: The, the moon turned red. Yeah, I, I can't prove that one. But I think, I think I think that the in moon the last was two
1: years. huh? We've had four blood moons in the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm>...
0: <laughs> you yeah. ain't read that, John? I, I book sure is. have <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, wait, wait. Anyway, I can't, I can't prove to that because i like you. I can't prove that uh, I can't prove that the moon turned to blood that night or whatever, but the reason why I think that those things point to, you know the, the blood, the blood of Christ, the fire, we saw that at Pentecost, the vapor of smoke, all, all those things are going on from crucifixion to Pentecost. The reason why I think that. And like I said, a lot of smarter people than me disagree. But the reason why I think that is because the very next verse says in 21, And it shall come to pass, it's talking about it shall come to pass. This is Joel's prophecy that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if I were to say, if I were to say that these things, uh, and there very well could be at the end, there could be more earthquakes. I mean, who knows? But what I'm saying is, if I was to say, I would be bouncing back and forth in time with the prophecy. See what I mean? I would be saying that the, the pouring out of the Spirit happened at Pentecost. Then the blood, fire, vapor, or smoke is going to happen at the end. And now I'm back over here when I say, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does that make sense? I'm bouncing back and forth with Joel's prophecy rather than just keeping it all together. Right now, the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. And right now, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Okay, now I'm not saying that this is this is not something that I'm going to argue about. Like I said, disagreements all over the place. But we do live in the already and the not yet. We do live in the in the time when the kingdom has come on earth and it is here and it's indwelling its people. But there is coming a time when it will be completed. So all that's true. Not saying anything against that. I just I lean. If you shoot me, I'm going to fall over on the side that says all that happened between crucifixion and Pentecost okay that makes sense? It's not worth arguing it's, it's true regardless okay uh, Dream and dreams does that mean that we should be interpreting our dreams Oh yes. <laughs> you should write them down. And then write them down. And, and interpret them and share with others. Okay. exactly what God has shown us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the problem with interpreting <laughs> dreams is if you eat too much grease before you go to bed, <laughs> you could be dreaming all kind of crazy stuff. I have bad dreams when I have to get up and go to the bathroom and I don't do it.
1: Uh, <laughs> What? That's not funny,
0: y'all. Never. Like, mom, I had a bad dream. You just say, like, get him go to the bathroom. It'll be alright. <laughs> isn't, isn't that something about old men and young men? Yeah, that's. We just read this. But which is which? Can you, can you read it, again? Uh. I don't it's think. It says, and your young don't men shall don't see, don't see
1: visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So
0: you get the dreams, yeah. and then the younger people get the visions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, once again, <laughs> Peter said, This is that. <laughs> so I'm, that is fulfilled in what was going on right then. It was fulfilled. The, 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 when God told Moses, he said, If a prophet comes among you, I will speak to that prophet in a dream. That's what way talked. So what Joel's prophecy is pointing to is that all of God's people will be prophets. All of them will be priests. All of them will be imbued with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's not saying, hey, let's chunk the Bible and to start interpreting our dreams. Uh, because that directly contradicts what Scripture says. In uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, that's the, that's the verse you all know that says... Um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God for correction, reproof, instruction that and it says that the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. Whenever somebody comes and throws their dream at me and says, "Hey, God told me to tell you this is my dream." I say, "The Bible tells me that it equips me for every good work. Therefore, if the Bible's true, I really don't need your dream." Now, if you have a dream and it accords with what Scripture says, hey, not more power to you. That's all. You know what I mean? It, knock yourself out. But it's got to accord with what this Bible says. If a thought pops in your mind, or if you have like, if you have a vision, first stop taking drugs. But if, if you have, if you have. A sense of, you know, God speaks all kinds of different ways. I'm not denying that. I will never deny that. But any way that God speaks to you or pops a thought into your head or leads you in a certain way, it is going to accord with what this Bible says. Amen. There have been many people that have sat in my office and said, Well, the Lord just told me, you know, that... Whatever I'm not even going to go Because some of y'all might be in it The Lord told me to do this And I said well the Bible says not to do this Well the Lord told me that it was okay Well you're wrong Check the number you're dialing Because you're talking to somebody else God is never going to contradict his word Okay So if you have a dream And you think the Lord might have spoken to you I don't have a problem with that you better check it against the word. Because that's that's true and it's unchangeable. You know, if I eat pizza before I go to bed, I'll be dreaming about all kinds of stuff. You know, like standing on a pyramid with midgets throwing little pickles at you. Oh. <laughs> you dream all kind of stuff. You can dream all kind of stuff about all kind of things. But, oh, so I'm the only one who had that dream. Okay, all right, whatever. If you have, if you have, look, if you have a thought, an inclination, a, a leading, a dream, a whatever, it's got to align up with what this word says. <laughs> God will never contradict this word right here. Okay?